we need to get to this chart. All right, all right. Um, really like, wait, I know, just want to read. Okay, yeah, I, 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 okay, I think yeah, finally, well, we're, no, because we're, we're making yeah. our way. Yeah, Stalin uh, Silicon Valley is directly followed by the chart, so I think uh, it's it's yes. perfect. Uh, so Stalin in Silicon Valley during the Cold War. Each side claimed that its particular socioeconomic structures represented the future of all humanity. Despite championing rival systems, the apologists of both superpowers still shared a common and unacknowledged theoretical source, San Simon. Ever since the 1917 revolution, the Russian state had been using his futurist prophecies to justify its actions. Learning from its Cold War opponent, the U.S. government began making similar claims about its policies. Although promoting liberal capitalism, American propagandists enthusiastically mimicked the, the theoretical rhetoric of Stalinist communism. The power of the minority of capitalists was in the long-term interests of the majority of the population. Any flaws in American society would soon be solved by further economic growth. Above all, the utopian potential of the USA was proved by continual introduction of new technologies, the symbol of increasing productive forces. Alongside their military political contest over spheres of influence, the two superpowers also competed over who represented the future. That's broadly true. Um, the collapse of the Soviet Union didn't end the theoretical influence of Stal Stalinist communism over right-wing American intellectuals. On the contrary, the global mission of the USA had been confirmed by victory over its totalitarian rival. According to one apologist, American neoliberalism is now the realization of the Hegelian end of history. And there he goes again. Although wars and conflicts will continue, there is no longer any alternative form of socioeconomic system. For the proponents of the Californian ideology, this narcissistic assumption is proved by American dominance over the cutting edge of economic modernity, the net. If other countries also want to enter the information age, they will have to imitate the peculiar social system of the USA. Like its Cold War predecessors, this contemporary celebration of American neoliberalism appropriates many theoretical assumptions from Stalinist communism. Once again, the enlightened minority is leading the ignorant masses towards a utopian civilization. Any suffering caused by the introduction of information technology Technologies is justified by the promise of future liberation. Echoing the Russian tyrant, um, he was Georgian, uh, the Digerati <laughs> even measure progress towards Utopia by increasing ownership of modern artifacts, home computers, mobile phones, and laptops. Although the Soviet Union has long disappeared in 1999, uh, the proponents of the Californian ideology are still appropriating the theoretical legacy of Stalinist communism. And then he posts this chart this amazing table <laughs> yeah it's a table like of like analogies like oh basically, my god it's a, it's a translation table of like yep. terms mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. yes uh yeah. so you're right yes uh so vanguard party equals uh digerati the uh -huh. five-year plan equals the new paradigm boy meets tractor equals nerd meets net Third international equals third wave. What is third wave? I think feminism. All right. Maybe. No, because he's pro-feminism. Uh, uh, I, well, I don't know I don't what know. the third wave. Maybe uh, third wave of the internet? I don't know. This is one of the best. Moscow equals Silicon Valley. <laughs> okay, what dope. Wow. Like, oh, wait. Um, Keep uh, going. Yeah. Pravda equals wired. <laughs> uh, party line equals unique thought. Uh, Soviet that democracy equals electronic town halls. Lysenkoism equals mimetics. Uh, like, oh, society as factory. Pissed. Yeah, mm, yeah, uh, yeah. He would be pissed because it's the ultimate mockery. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, society as factory equals society as Gaia mind. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. New Soviet man equals post humans. 
Uh, Stakhanovite norm busting equals overworked contract labor. Mm. Uh, purges are downsizing, and Russian nationalism is Californian chauvinism. Uh, <laughs> Cal- so California chauvinism. Well, that's really there, there amazing. Wow, uh, decoded. Well, yeah, now I mean, we know what Silicon Valley is all that about. You could do this. You could do this with anything that's like involved, like any kind of like privileged group that's like promised like dividends for like that's justified their dominance as for the greater good. Like yeah, he's literally describing like, like literally any ruling any class or government in history that has said like yeah. we need to make sacrifices for or a clergy, greater future tomorrow. Like, yeah, yeah, like clergy comes to mind. Like you know the idea that. For instance, uh, the introduction of information technologies is justified by the promise any suffering cause is justified by future liberation. Well, you know, if I put on my Mark Fisher hat, that sounds to me like a priest. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it does. It does. Yeah. Know, Don't rebel on this world. You know? uh, yeah, you'll you'll notory priest. Exactly. You'll reach uh, yeah, paradise so, in the hereafter and you'll you'll yes. reap your rewards. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's yes. like really bizarre. Uh, the the kind of like and it just yeah. it's so vague that it could just describe anything. Like, why is it? Why are you keep invoking Stalinist communism in particular? You're not actually describing the features. You're just like lamely gesturing at the tropes of what people perceive as like the evils of uh this is like a genuine case of like stalin derangement syndrome like yeah no this, like i mean this is like going, peak trot like trotsky could have written that off the rails uh, like yeah but the thing is he's like anti-trotsky like he's not like down with trotsky uh, i guess he was never like, actually trotsky. a trotskyite yeah yeah uh andy uh cameron was but in his later work where he talks about like uh guy Debord's game of war and like remounting it like basically yeah like a war game like a creek spiel which you talked about a little bit kind of like mm-hmm. chess like uh but you know to sort of train revolutionary uh operatives to like understand like the supply channels of uh capitalism and its ideology and and stuff like that like uh he likes uh there's some quote that it's quoted in his the little documentary that he co-wrote about it um and also like in the book class war games uh mm-hmm. where uh he discusses like the game and playing it you know there, there's a lot of references to trotsky actually because they were like models of trotsky um hmm. like involved but he says something like uh by pretending to be Bonaparte, because he's all about, uh, the, God damn it, Napoleon uh, is also mentioned a million times in this, too. But anyway, yeah, he said something like, you know, by adopting the role of Bonaparte in this, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, here we go. Uh, this, I found it. Uh, he says, like, uh, blah, 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 emphasizing this long view of history, class war games created the 1802 Battle of Fort Beduete scenario for command and colors, Napoleonics, to add to our ludic repertoire. As Doncourt's painting commemorated, the first global rebellion against exploitation and injustice had taken place over 200 years ago in the common struggle of the Jacobins on both sides of the Atlantic. Above all, through the influences of James's writings, the Haitian slaves' desire for liberation from bondage had reemerged in the situationist enthusiasm for the ascendancy of the workers' councils over everyday life. By playing the game of war, reds versus reds, and commands and colors, Napoleonics, the participants at our performances were absorbing these ludic lessons in revolutionary history. Understanding the victories and defeats of the past were a precondition for devising the successful strategy and tactics for prevailing on the social battlefields of the future. Everyone must experience the excitements and temptations of being a little Bonaparte, Trotsky, or Che for themselves. Uh, as the board recommended, perceptive remembering can liberate the mind from the forgetting 
and mythologizing of the integrated spectacle. Uh, yes, uh, that might not be the exact quote, but anyway, basically, like, taking on this role, like, helps you to not become, like, a Trotsky, you know, uh, or, or a Lenin. A totalitarian yeah. communist. Yes, exactly. Uh, menace. Yes. Any uh, kind of, yes. I mean, yeah, that, uh, it's, yeah, I, I mean, I it wouldn't surprise like me. Well, <laughs> yeah, the interesting the thing, okay, the one interesting thing about this, this very hot take of his, that basically the, like, planners of Silicon Valley, the, the business uh, establishment, is doing, like, a Stalinist communism with the internet, is we've mentioned before the great interest that places like MIT and Stanford and SRI had in like methods of like uh, sort of like pedagogy and like social organization in you know in China uh, you know under Mao and basically like studying yeah. Maoism as a social technology and then trying to figure out a way to like bring it over here and utilize the benefits of it while like uh, extracting all of the revolutionary class struggle content and refilling it with this like fealty to like your neo-feudal corporate overlord um mm -hmm. who loves you and like it's interesting that like that aspect of it is like completely like f like this guy is not even remotely a, like doesn't i don't know consider that at all i guess you can't blame him mm -hmm. it was 1999 but like that yeah there are compelling aspects of that to me that make sense but i feel like what he's missing is that like they're they're still capitalists they're not like tying the noose around their neck right now like you know basically you know fashioning their own demise by like doing this like they're doing it because it's an economically viable strategy that increases their power so like even if they're adopting maybe what you would term some of the management uh aspects of like bureaucratic socialism under stalin that doesn't mean that, like they're doing stalinist communism you know what i mean and also no, that like not so in these broad terms where you're like Moscow equals Silicon Valley. Like, what? Okay, that was the capital of the Soviet Union, and yeah. like, it's an important city in like you know dot com capitalism. Like, what? There's two important cities, like in two extremely like different. Like, one is the capital of like a geopolitical like huge power. Yeah. The other one is like a poly. Like, it's totally different, and like it's a huge. Like, I mean, you know, we've talked about... It's kind of before, apples and oranges. Like, like it's not... They're not really fully, the same thing. Like They're not the, the same, and it's not, like, helpful. And, th like, this, like, that, that's not helpful, and this is, like, straight up, like, dangerous. Like, he says, uh, at the beginning of the new millennium, American neoliberalism seems to have successfully achieved the contradictory aims of reactionary modernism, economic progress, and social immobility. Because the long-term goal of liberating everyone will never be reached, the short-term rule of the Digerati can last forever. Yet, as in the former Soviet Union, this dialectic of development and stasis is inherently unstable. Uh -huh. By modernizing agricultural societies, the ruling parties of Stalinist communism slowly destroyed the foundations of their own power. Over time, the relations of production formed by totalitarianism became incompatible with the continual expansion of the forces of production. At this historical moment, Saint-Simon finally had his revenge on his false disciples. Uh, the, brackets, Stalinist communist revolution <laughs> has brought about a measure of industrial civilization to vast areas of Europe and Asia. This is a quote from Saint-Simon, I guess. Uh -huh. In this way, material bases have actually been created for a future freer society. 
Thus, while bringing about the most complete despotism, the, brackets, Stalinist, communist revolution, oh my God. has also created the basis for the abolition of despotism. Uh, yes, I guess... Who uh, said that? Yeah, that must uh, be. Uh, I, I guess... Uh, Gilles? Gilles the new it's, class. Yeah, yeah. It's Gilles, uh, It seems like a... Yeah. Mm. Doesn't say what year but, it's uh, from. So it's um, not. Yeah, I thought it might be a San Simon thing because he was inserting the communist thing, but uh, no, it doesn't make sense historically. This is anyway. that. That uh, is just such a bizarre yeah. way of like looking at like the economy, like it, the modernization of agricultural societies. Uh, like they destroyed their own base by collectivizing agriculture. Well, like, like uh, it's the same. Like he's saying, it's it's analogous. Like you know, for one, as we've covered in our victory episode, the mm-hmm. idea that like the Soviet Union just like collapsed on its own, like isn't really true. Yeah. But also, like you know, this is like really not like a good thing to like promote the idea that like he says, as predicted by Saint Simon, the full potential of recent technological and social advances cannot be realized in the traditional hierarchies of capitalism. According to the proponents of the California ideology, the net is founded upon the buying and selling of information, goods, and services. Only through market competition can individual desires be satisfied. Yet, when they go online, net users are primarily engaged in giving and receiving information as gifts. Quite spontaneously, people are adopting more democratic methods of working together within cyberspace. So, like, you know, I know this is 1999, but, like, they republished this in 2015, and, like, they should be embarrassed to do that. They really should be. Because, like... Yeah, that's like not like, yeah, OK, like to say that people are using Twitter like then like we're creating democracy like on Twitter. That's very like, you know, absurd. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it yeah. was absurd. I mean, he mentions also uh, he does mention in the opening just to jump to that real quick to see, like, you know, has he apologized uh, profusely for writing this essay in 1999? Or, or like, you know, uh, retracted some of these ideas. You know, he said, I guess uh, this would have been, I don't know exactly. This is in the 2010s when, you know, when he wrote this. He said, 20 years on. Oh, actually, so this is probably 2016, actually, when he wrote this. Uh, 20 years on, with the colonization of the net by corporate behemoths and the exposure of their collaboration with the USA spy agencies, the central arguments in our text no longer appear as controversial as they did when it first appeared. They're talking about the California ideology. Yet, despite the changed historical circumstances, the widespread belief in the inherent Inherently liberating power of information technologies hasn't disappeared. As the dot-com boosters boasted, the 2011 Arab Spring and Occupy protests proved that commercial platforms like Facebook and Twitter can be utilized for subversive goals. For large numbers of people, the emancipated future is still made in the USA. Um, uh... <laughs> no, thank you, like, random British guy. Like, why yeah. are you, like, shilling for the America so much when you're not American? Like, it's so bizarre. I know. It, like, like, yeah, uh, sure, the NSA thing, uh, blah, blah, blah. But everyone's still optimistic. But he's not saying that it's, like, alarmingly yeah. everyone is still optimistic about it when they shouldn't be. He's saying, like, yeah, like, let's just keep believing in this thing, guys. Uh, how is bad could it be? Is he actually, like, saying that it's good? Like, really? Like, I He's saying know, there's like, still hope. both ways. Uh, well, you know, right. I, I think I also true. He did say it could be used, like Facebook could be used for subversive ends, which is like, yeah, yeah. which it hypothetically well, yeah. it could. But, 
Yeah, I he mean, also said how. Like I'm skeptical. Like uh, that Facebook could be like really used for subversive ends. I don't know. Like no, I, I think it clearly was. It was set up to basically like channel activity in certain directions and suppress activity in other directions that it doesn't want to. And you know, basically like psyop people uh, to basically get politically agitated about that. I'm not saying that like nobody ever gets mad about anything real if they're on facebook but you know what i mean like it gets people ginned yeah. up like the out the algorithm is designed on that website to like get you right like, to yeah. trigger you basically like, i guess like in theory it's like a subversion of facebook that like it's a, you know a like uh cauldron of like bullshit like insanity like nonsense that like uh makes people into like huge like foaming at the mouth reactionaries but is that really a subversion or is it like working as designs like uh well exactly you know, like, I, I mean i think he's is it he's a not subversion even... and that's also like not good like if that's a subversion like that's not a good subversion like no you don't want to uh, just i mean ironically they talked about how like the internet in the california ideology they mentioned that the, like, the internet the way it's constructed can only fragment americans deeper into like kind of like categorized groups that are all at odds with each other and i think that was a correct impulse in 96 but then it's like the further he go a few years later like he's turned into like some kind of mib where he's just like no it will be great um (laughs) and you know uh, comes up with all these like wacky fucking ahistorical takes and shit For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad. 